0: You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up
1: in today's edition. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Now I want to stop right there. You want to know what a good decision is? You want to know what a really good decision is? When you make a decision that first is good to the Holy Spirit, that's a good decision when you make a decision in harmony with and according to the peace that the Holy Spirit gives.
0: As Christians, we all have sin in our life that presents itself time and time again. Oftentimes, when it comes back to bite us, we choose to hide from God. In today's message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that no matter where you're at in your sin or how many times you've asked for God's deliverance from it, he wants you to call upon His name. You don't have to dust yourself off or try to fix things on your own before coming into His presence. God simply wants you to follow Him in obedience and accept His gift of grace. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of Galatians chapter three as he begins his message, Paul,
1: intimidated by no one. Paul was intimidated by no man. And I don't want you to be intimidated by By a man or a woman. Don't fear anybody. The fear of man brings a snare. Now, we saw last time that Paul was forced to vigorously defend his apostleship due to the undermining he experienced at the hands of false teachers who were the Judaizers. And I'm going to tell you what the Judaizers were again in just a moment. But now, he did so, he defended himself by giving an autobiographical sketch of himself. In Galatians 1, 11 through 24, which we finished last time. Now, just in summary, uh, for three years after he met Christ on the road to Damascus, he was in seclusion. He sh- shut away himself with God, shut himself in with God, which I've done the last four weeks. I've just shut myself in with God and with the word. I haven't listened to any news. I haven't read any news. I have watched very little television. I've just shut myself in with God for hours. Now, am I trying to sound spiritual? No, I did it because I needed to do it. And I've been listening to the Lord and letting his word speak to me. And so this is what Paul did. He said, I don't want to hear from a man. I want to hear from the Lord. So he shut himself in with God. And I would highly recommend that, that there are times when you don't need to hear from a person. You need to hear from God. Now, he emerged from that three years of seclusion by finding Simon Peter and spending 15 days with him in Jerusalem. We talked about that last time. Now in chapter two, he continues with autobiographical details about his ongoing struggle with the Judaizers who were the false teachers of his day. Now there's two focal centers of interest in chapter two, and they are Jerusalem and Antioch. Jerusalem was pretty much the 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 Jewish Christian community in Jerusalem, and in Antioch, it was the Gentile Christian community. You and I had been there back then, we'd have been in Antioch. Amen? Any full-blown Jews in here? Any born Jews? Really? Full? Okay. One. Like I said, we'd be in Antioch. Now, in, in both of those places, Paul had confronted the Judaizers head on. His keen mind, and it was keen, had seen right from the start the spiritual peril to the church of the Judaizers were allowed to win. They couldn't win. Remember, the Judaizers sought, here's here's what they were, they sought to regulate the admission of Gentiles into the covenant people of God through circumcision and the keeping of the ceremonial law. They said, you're going to have to mix some Old Testament Jewish law with New Testament Christianity in order to be saved. Put another way, you can't be saved by grace alone. You're going to have to mix some works with it. I told you a couple of times ago that uh, any cult always has something you've got to do to get saved, and you can name the cult. I don't care who they are. If it's a cult, if it's an offshoot of Christianity, if it's a, if if it's in a uh, something, uh, uh, an aberration then believe me, there's something you've got to do. There's works involved. Because to our minds, it doesn't make sense that we don't have to do anything. We're saved by grace through faith. And that not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. See, the reason that God did that is so that you and I could never say, well, I did this work or that work really well, and that's what got me saved. God wouldn't get the glory for that. The Bible says God doesn't share his glory with anybody So we were saved by grace so that nobody can get the glory but God. You and I are saved tonight by the work of the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God. We looked up and by faith said, I trust you. And we were totally 100% saved by the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Nothing we did or ever could do could save us, not anything. And there is not another world religion like that they all say you got to do something. So it was the same with the Judaizers. You need to keep a ceremonial law, circumcision and all this, or you couldn't be saved. Now it says in Acts 15, one, for example, they insisted that quote, unless you are circumcised, you cannot be saved. Well, this, this drove Paul crazy. If you want to see an angry Paul, this is what did it. He got mad, righteously mad. You didn't want to go up to the apostle Paul and say, Hey, I think we need to mix works with grace. Oh, no, no, no. You would have a terrible experience at the hands of the mighty apostle Paul. Because for him, this was his swan song. This was the song he played every day to every crowd he preached to. It's by grace alone. If the Judaizers had won the battle, they would have made the Jerusalem church, the mother church, Peter a pope, Christianity, just another Jewish sect, and Gentile Christians, second class citizens in the kingdom of God. You and I would have been considered second class, second tier, underneath the saved Jew. But we're not. Amen? Because at the foot of the cross, there's no black, white, yellow, red, rich, poor. We're all equal at the foot of the cross. All of us. Now, Paul was prepared to fight to the death to prevent such a tragedy from happening. He begins chapter 2 by describing his confrontation with the Jerusalem church, and he spells out for his Galatian converts who had become the living proof of his fears. What do I mean by that? The Judaizers had weaved and wormed their way in among them, and they had been taken by these Judaizers They believe the Judaizers. And we're going to look next week at the famous quote from Paul when he said, Who has bewitched you? How have you so quickly changed from grace to works? So they were an example of what he was afraid of. If these Judaizers have their way, then the whole movement of the Holy Spirit based on grace is going to be wiped out and it's going to go back to works. And he was afraid of it. So, He forced a test on the Jerusalem church. It says in verses 1 through 2, let's begin chapter 2. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and I also took Titus with me, and I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles but privately to those who were of reputation. Now he's saying there, he went to the who's who's, Peter, James, and John, those who were of reputation. Lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. He's saying, I had to be sure that everything I've worked for, all the preaching I've done, all the churches I've built, all the souls I've won to Christ, based on grace alone through faith, has not been in vain. I do not want the Jerusalem church, which was a Jewish Christian church, to change or skew or warp the pure message of grace only. Can everybody say grace only? I think the most famous Christian song in all the world through all the centuries is what? Amazing grace. How sweet the sound, saved a wretch like me, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Amazing grace, crazy grace, stupendous grace, awesome grace. That's what saved us. And we're debtors to God, amen, completely and totally. Now, the first time he went to Jerusalem, it was in connection with famine relief. The second visit that Paul made to Jerusalem was in connection with the Jerusalem conference, which was convened to consider the whole question of imposing Judaism on Gentile Christians. And you can read about that in Acts 15. Now, Paul had asked, as I mentioned a moment ago, to meet with the leadership, the top dogs, the the big boys, Peter, James, John. He wanted to meet with them privately. That he might tell them exactly what he was preaching. Because remember, when he got saved, he didn't go see them. He went off and got alone with God. And he said, the gospel that I preached, Jesus gave me in revelation as I was alone with him. So he did not need the endorsement of the elders to validate his gospel. But here's what he did need. He needed them to do something about their homegrown Judaizers who were hounding him everywhere he went, subverting his converts to Judaism. Judaism. Where were these Judaizers coming from? They were coming from the Jerusalem church. And who was the, the pastor of the Jerusalem church? Jesus' half-brother, James. James was the pastor of the Jerusalem church. And James was ultra-Jewish. We would say uber-Jewish. James was, a, was Jewish in his thinking. And he was presiding over this Jewish Christian, this gigantic, multi-thousand. Listen, it was a megachurch in the first century. The Jerusalem church was huge, and James was the pastor. And so he's saying to James, Hey, you need to get a hold of some of your people here. They're out there subverting me everywhere I go. You're the Judaizers that are harassing me, undermining the grace message, are coming from your church. It's like if somebody came to me and said, Hey, Jeff, don't know if you're aware of it or not, but some of your people are going around to different churches teaching false doctrine. And you need to find out who they are and get a hold of it. Well, I wouldn't want to hear that ever. But if I did hear it, we would try to figure out who was doing it and and try to fix it. And this is what was happening with James. Paul was going to him and saying, hey, you need to get get your, your folks, reel them in. Because the people following me from town to town, I'm tracking a lot of them back to this church. The council met and the book of Acts gives us their conclusion. And I love this. It says, quote, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. And to us. Now I want to stop right there. You want to know what a good decision is? You want to know what a really good decision is? When you make a decision that first is good to the Holy Spirit, that's a good decision. When you make a decision in harmony with and according to the peace that the Holy Spirit gives, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit. Notice they were not independent. They were not out just forming this doctrine or this teaching on their own. They weren't doing their own thing, trying to create a world religion. Do you see the the key place the Holy Spirit played in their life? And folks, I want to tell you something. Listen carefully to me because I really mean this when I say it. We've got to get to the place we realize with small decisions and large and anything in between. The Holy Spirit cares about that decision. He cares. He cares. The Holy Spirit wants to be involved in our decision-making process. You say, well, Pastor Jeff, this was about a big deal. This is about doctrine in the early church. Yeah, but you read the book of Acts and you will find constantly, really, the book of Acts is really the acts of the Holy Spirit in the first century, the acts of the Holy Spirit. These people that have been saved were Holy Ghost people, Holy Spirit people, Spirit-led people, Spirit-influenced people, Spirit-empowered people, Spirit-anointed people. The book of Acts is all about the powerful move of the Holy Ghost in the first century. And I think a lot of believers, some of you sitting here today, don't stop and think sometimes, and I've been there, I've done that. We think, well, I just need to make a decision. I'm going to make this decision. And and we just kind of have in our heads, whatever I do, I'm going to ask God to bless it. But sometimes God doesn't work that way. God wants us to be preemptive and ask him before we do it. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. You take this building. Do you think that we just decided to pick a building? Gee, where's a building? my mo, give me a building. No. We said, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? The Holy Spirit has a plan. The Holy Spirit is not an it or a thing or a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. A person. The Holy Spirit is called He in the Bible. And that person is operating in your life. That person wants to fill you every day, all day. Every morning, you and I need to be getting with God and filling our gas tank, filling our spirit tank, filling, getting filled with the Holy Ghost before we go out the door. Because he wants to talk to us all through the day. Don't go here, don't go there, go over here, go over there. Talk to this person, don't follow around with that person and, and don't involve yourself with this, but do involve yourself with that. He wants to be the counselor. Thou shalt call his name wonderful. And then what's the second one? Counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And of the increase of his government, there shall be no end. So who is Jesus? One of the five designations given him is counselor. And how does he counsel? His word and his spirit. He, when the spirit of truth comes, he will lead you and guide you into all truth, child of God. This is what makes Christianity different from any other religion in the world. Number one, it's not a religion. But let's just say that it is. Any other religion in the world has no powerful supernatural power that comes upon the believers unless it's demonic that fills their hearts with love, that guides them, that counsels them, that instructs them, that protects them. I don't ever stand up here and speak until I have gotten somewhere with God and I saturate myself in the Holy Spirit. I won't eat before I preach because I don't don't want anything messing with me being energized by anything but God. I'm not trying to sound... Listen, I've done this for a long time. And there have been times I stood up and it just, my words went right there. It was because I hadn't prayed. I hadn't gotten saturated in the Holy Ghost. Now I know where my power is, where my strength is, who my counselor and God is. Listen, it's the Holy Spirit. Folks, we need to be Holy Spirit people. You are a Holy Spirit person. Amen. So you mean Pentecostal? As Pentecostal as is the Bible. I don't mean the denomination. I'm talking about fill. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, "Be being filled all day, every day." I didn't mean to go off on that tangent. I just read a little verse here, but I wanted you to know. (laughs) It seemed good. Let's read that together. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us as if they were secondary, because they were to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. And what were they? That you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. They said, that's all we're going to lay on you right there. That's it. None of the Old Testament Judaism. Just these things, because these things are New Testament. Abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. And that's what they said. And that was the end of their meeting. So Paul had not, as he put it, run in vain. Because now the Jerusalem church is with him in this. Now, this great victory prevented the disaster of the Jewish and Gentile churches splitting apart, thus destroying the testimony of the unity of the body of Christ, which is so crucial. It is in unity where God commands the blessing. In a church, in a home, in a marriage, in a friendship, it's unity where God commands the blessing. Now verse 3 yet not even Titus who was with me being a Greek was compelled to be circumcised He's, he took Titus with him the the big 3 Peter James and John saw Titus and Paul's letting the Galatian believers know here that he had won over the Jerusalem leadership so completely that not even Titus being a Gentile was compelled by them to be circumcised the leaders of the Jerusalem church accepted Titus at face value as a Christian they saw him as an equal Now, he next tells us that the question of Titus being circumcised would never have arisen if not for certain Judaizers who snuck in stealth-like. Look what he says in verses 4 and 5 when he went to meet with the Jerusalem leadership. And this occurred because of the, the controversy over Titus occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty which we have in Christ Jesus that they might bring us into bondage. So when he goes to meet with the leadership on this whole issue of circumcision and Old Testament law, these guys, these false brethren, snuck in and tried to influence the outcome of the meeting. I like what Paul says here. To whom we did not yield submission even for one hour. You know, Paul was tough. That the truth of the gospel might continue with you. I want you to say with me, not one hour. There's some things you don't need to give one hour of your time. There's certain things you don't need to give one hour. Your, your life is too valuable. I am going to tell you, the older you get, the more you realize it goes just like this. Bang! It's over. I mean, here I am 30. It seems like last week I was 20. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just making sure you're there. But it does go fast. A matter of fact, the older you get, the more you realize that life kind of slips by in decades. 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. And you you start getting protective of your time. You you start getting covetous over your time and and what you give your time to. Paul said, false teachers, they ain't getting an hour of my time. The word for false, brethren, is pseudodelphos, pseudodelphos. And one translator renders the word pseudo-Christians. Paul contends that these people were not Christians at all. You know, tell the truth. We're much more tolerant today of false teachers than Paul was. Not just Paul, but Peter and Jude read what they wrote. They weren't tolerant of false teachers at all. But we feel like we got to love everybody and be gentle and not offend anybody. Paul wasn't uh, concerned at all about offending people. Some people need to be offended. Some people ought to be offended. No doubt, many in Jerusalem considered these men to be genuine Christians, but not Paul. These Judaizers, these false teachers, trying to mix Old Testament with new, taking away pure grace. To him, they were counterfeits, and the word he used to describe them rips off their mask. I told you a couple of weeks ago, not everything that calls itself Christian, dear church, is Christian. There's there's, there's programs on... Christian TV that are not Christian. There are some preachers and teachers that say they're Christian preachers and teachers, and they're really not. They don't preach the Word. Some of them hardly ever mention the Word. Some of them call themselves pastors, but they never even mention the Bible. They won't say the word sin. But just because somebody is charismatic or seemingly successful or likable, we tend to just receive anything they say, but we've got to get discerning. If you were to ask me, Pastor, what is the major problem in the church of Jesus Christ today? I would say discernment and lack thereof. There is a, there is a blindness that has come on the Christian church that, that just makes me marvel. I, I marvel at it. I can't believe the church has gotten as blind as it has in some areas. We don't discern anymore. And, and we're afraid to call, call a, a something wrong, wrong. We're afraid to call something that is false, false. We're afraid to offend or look like we're judging. Paul and Peter and James and John judged all the time. Hello, church. Well, but that's not love. Oh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. If your little baby, if your child, when they were eight, nine years old, came in from, let me put it this way. One time... Our little boy, Jeremy, when he was little, about eight or nine years old, had a friend over. We were living in East Texas, and they went outside to play. And then they came in at one point, and they asked for a can. They said they were crawdad hunting. Oh, that's what I used to do, so go get them, son. Here's a can. And a few minutes later, they came back in and gave me the can. I looked inside. It wasn't crawdads. It was scorpions. And they thought it was crawdads.
0: One of the biggest reasons why people avoid the church is because of the notion that it's too legalistic. The Bible quickly starts to look like an old rule book, and God starts to seem like a drill sergeant. In today's message, Pastor Jeff explained to know that these misconceptions could not be further from what God wants for your life. It's not about imposing rules or wanting to restrict you. Instead, it's His glorious plan to redeem your messy life.
1: You've been listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Would you be interested in helping support this ministry as we further the gospel? All you have to do is text 817-484-4767 and enter the word GIVE to donate. We are so grateful for your continued support in listening to this program and also investing in the ministry. Once again, text GIVE to 817-484-4767 to GIVE. When we
0: accept Jesus into our life, we know that he took our place on the cross. But do we know the real reason why? Quite literally, Jesus took the place of a murderer who deserved punishment. And is this how we view ourselves? Next time, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that you need to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made to save your soul. It's not possible for you to save yourself by being a good person or doing good deeds. Be transformed today. That's all we have time for today's edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you can download it from our website, hardwired.org. Be sure to tune in again as Pastor Jeff continues teaching through the book of Galatians. Next time on Hardwired.